After only three weeks, I seem to have my voice back. When you get old, you recover slowly. That's all I can say to you. <laughs> eh? Couldn't quite hear that. <laughs> uh, uh, we're in Genesis 45 this morning. Uh, the governor of Egypt, which is none other than Joseph, has revealed himself to his brothers. He's made himself known to his brothers. And in this, he's admonished them. And he says, don't be grieved and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into slavery. Uh, Joseph senses that this has been a big thing in their life for a lot of years. And Joseph is concerned about their attitude, about their feelings, about uh, their their guilty conscience and that kind of thing. And Joseph assures his brothers that God has sent him to Egypt for a purpose, and that is to preserve life. God has brought Joseph down to Egypt and that is bigger than his brother's hatred or his brother's sin against him. So he tells him, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves. We're in Egypt, and we're all in Egypt for a reason, and that is to preserve life. These brothers have had to deal with severe disappointment, tremendous guilt for the way they treated their own brother, Joseph. These brothers in today's world would be a candidates for what we would call clinical depression. And in our world, we use drugs, prescription drugs to combat depression and Many times we not only want the pain to go away, we want to feel good about it going away. And several years back, I had to deal with a large kidney stone. The doctors, they snaked this catheter up into my kidney to detonate, explode this stone to break it into smaller pieces where I could pass it. And after three separate tries, they were successful. <laughs> and I was prescribed pain pills. But the nurse said something to me that, of course, I've remembered. And she says, if you take more than three of these, you will be hooked on them. And I go, yeah. <laughs> and if you've ever experienced a kidney stone, you want that pain to go away. <laughs> and the pain is, is, is great. So I pop one of these pills, one of these pain-killing, mood-changing pills. And I was amazed. It didn't as do as much for the pain that it did for my mood. I was still hurting, but I was happy about it. <laughs> and for the first time in a long time, I felt good about myself. I really liked myself. 
I was no longer dependent upon you people for my self-worth. And you were replaced by one little pill. So, take that. But I can see how people get hooked on prescription drugs. I really can. But back to our story. Joseph tells his brothers, God has a purpose when you sold me into slavery. And he said, what you did was wrong, but God had a greater purpose. So let's read chapter 45. It's kind of a lengthy reading, so bear with me here. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptian and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there is still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. Then I will provide for you, lest you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine." And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all the glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother's Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and all his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best land of Egypt, and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are commanded to do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, your wives, bring your fathers, and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for their journey. 
he gave all of them to each man changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garment. And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for their father's journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Cana to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Joseph has informed his brothers five more years of famine. Five more years of drought. Now hurry, my brothers. Go back up to Canaan. Get dad and bring him down. And bring also all your children down here to me. Now Pharaoh, he knows that because of Joseph and his relationship with the living God, that all of Egypt now survives starvation. Pharaoh, he's grateful. He wants to show Joseph's kindness, and he sends wagons, he sends carts. These are nothing more than Egyptian moving vans to bring down Joseph and his family to the land of Goshen. Goshen was the prime pasture land. It was the prime grazing area of Egypt. Joseph, his brothers, and Jacob, the father, they've all had a difficult 17 years brought about by the sin of the brothers. Scriptures reveal to us how Joseph had to suffer before he was exalted by Pharaoh. 17 years of unpleasant life for Joseph. Joseph, he's been a slave. He was a slave to Potiphar. He's been falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown into prison because of this accusation. And he's in prison for something he did not do. But Joseph, because God's hand is upon him, ends up being charged in charge of the prison. And years have gone by in which Joseph was treated wrongly. And now we hear Joseph tell his brothers, Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves for what you have done, what you did to me. Joseph is now governor of Egypt. And as governor, he can clearly see God's hand in his life, even the selling of himself into slavery. 
verse 5, we hear Joseph declare, For God has sent me to preserve life. Seldom, very seldom, I think, do we see the big picture for our lives. We're unable to see the forest for all those trees in front of us. (laughs) In Joseph... Once in power, he sees God's plan for his family, his father, his brothers, and he sees God's plan for all of Egypt. And Joseph has only been in power for a few years here. Yet he has come to understand it was God who brought me down to Egypt as a slave This was not the doings of my brothers. And so Joseph encourages his brothers. Don't be grieved. Don't be upset with yourselves. You must understand God has a plan for each and every person. And we need to understand that today. You're not a mistake. God has a plan for each and every person that calls him God. And God is very capable of using things we consider bad or inconvenient, like slavery, to bring about his perfect will for a family and even for a nation. We never back God into a corner where he's unable to work on our behalf. Let me read you a couple verses in Zechariah. You may want to turn there. Zechariah chapter 4. We'll read verses 7 through 10. Zechariah, right before the New Testament. Zechariah 4, 7 through 10. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with the shout of grace grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the days of small things? And that's what we're going to center on. Who has despised the days of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to find or scan to and fro across the earth, the whole earth. In this passage, Zerubbabel has been given the task of laying the foundation for the temple. And it appears that this is just a very ordinary or small, plain task. However, it's very important to God. We are told that the eyes of God scan the entire earth. As God himself prepares us to serve him. It becomes our job to make sure we do not despise the days of routine or small things. Sometimes we can feel like we're just doing time. 
Many times mothers will have the thankless task of daily taking care of their children, making sure that children are eating well, teaching their children to be a good person, instilling into them good things. Recently, Lori and I had a meal with my son and my grandkids, and it was interesting to sit at the table and hear my son say things like, chew with your mouth closed, speaking to his kids. And I just kind of smiled. <laughs> and then it was, sit at the table till everyone is finished before you're excused. You know, teaching those children the routine daily little things, basic manners that they need to learn. And we husbands, we fathers, when was our last time that your job was interesting? <laughs> or, for that matter, fulfilling? It has been said of life and its problems that they are so daily. And sometimes you have to exercise mental discipline not to despise the days of small things. Many of our daily tasks require that we remain alert and vigilant to the job which is at hand. And if we're not careful, though, the days of small things can creep in and cause us to think that they're not important. Let me refer back to Joseph. Seventeen years Joseph was a slave in Egypt. Joseph happened to be a brilliant administrator. He organized the entire country of Egypt to preserve life, not only for the Egyptians, but also for his own family. Yet God saw fit to keep Joseph in the position as a slave 17 years years. For years, Joseph had others take credit for his management skills. And then not to mention Potiphar's wife, who falsely accused him of rape. But one of the true miracles in Joseph's life is that these 17 years had a profound effect upon his character. Joseph is able to have a healthy, forgiving attitude towards his brothers who sinned against him. Joseph, he openly declares, God put me through all my trials for a reason, and that's to preserve life. Joseph clearly sees God's hand in all the unfair treatment that came his way. And Joseph made a conscious decision not to become bitter and not to take revenge. He's a great example to us. Another example is in the book of Samuel. God has told Samuel, the prophet, go and anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. 
because God has rejected King Saul. Jesse brings all his sons before Samuel except David. But Samuel will not rest until all the sons, even David, is brought to him. For God has shown Samuel that David is to be the next king, and that is the one God wants him to anoint. David, the least of Jesse's sons, also the youngest, and the son of Jesse has not brought David before Samuel. But David happens to be God's choice. One day, Jesse comes to his son, David, and he tells him, take some food supplies up to your brothers who were in battle uh, with the Philistines. And David goes to the battle scene where he sees Goliath defying the armies of God. Eliab, David's older brother, chastises David for coming to the battle scene. And he says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? <laughs> David was a shepherd over a few sheep. These are days of small things for David in the eyes of his brothers. But while David is being a shepherd, he's learning the skills of how to kill animals. For we read that David learned to kill a bear and he kills a lion. So that when David faces Goliath, Goliath is nothing more than a wild beast to him. And all of Israel enjoys a great victory as David slays Goliath. But it was in those days of small things, being a lonely little shepherd boy out in the wilderness, that David learned to be a skilled warrior. Out in the wilderness, in the days of small things. <clears throat> I have one more example, and that's Jesus himself. Mary and Joseph, they're taking Jesus, and they've gone down to Jerusalem to observe Passover. Jesus is a young lad. He's 12 years old. And they have observed Passover, and Mary and Joseph are now on their way back to Nazareth. But Jesus has lingered behind, and he remains in Jerusalem. You know the story. It's the only story, really, of Jesus' childhood. <laughs> and Mary and Joseph, they frantically search for Jesus, and they find him at temple, asking the teachers of Israel questions. And all who heard the answers and the questions of Jesus are astonished at his understanding of the law and the scriptures. Mary... She eventually finds Jesus, and let's read the story briefly here. It's in Luke 2, 48 and 50 through 52. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. 
And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in his wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and men. Mary, upon finding Jesus there at temple, she is tremendously relieved. And when your child does something like that, your relief goes to anger almost instantly once you see they're okay. (laughs) And so she says to Jesus, why have you done this to us? In other words, this is not like you, Jesus. What are you doing? And Jesus replied, it's good. Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Wow. Wake up, Mary. Jesus is telling his mother, do not forget who I am. And then in verse 51, it tells us, but Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph to Nazareth and was subject to them. Jesus is 12 years old when this happens at temple. But at 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was. Now we have Jesus, the Son of God, and for 18 years, he will live in obscurity, subject to Mary and Joseph. Jesus, working under his father, earthly father, Joseph, learning how to be a carpenter, And we have nothing, nothing recorded of Jesus' life from the age of 12 to 30. 18 years of obscurity. So our Lord Jesus, he knows a little bit about days of small things. If our Lord Jesus spent 18 years subject to to his earthly parents, being prepared for three years of ministry. How much more should you and I seize the opportunity, take advantage of the days of small things that every one of us go through? During the days of small things, God is at work and he's building character into our lives. Don't be discouraged by the daily routine of small things. That is the time, that is when God and his spirit is at work in our life developing godly character. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you that you yourself 
in the form of Jesus, went through 18 years of obscurity. And we so desperately want to see you move and perform on our behalf, and we get anxious and we get impatient, Lord. But you spent 18 years subject to Mary and Joseph. That amazes me, Lord. And sometimes I complain, Lord, and you hear my complaints about how slow things go. And when will things turn around? And when will this situation get better? Forgive me, Lord, for not learning from the days of small things. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here will recognize what you're doing in our life like Joseph did, like David did, like Jesus did. And that we will take advantage. We will grab the opportunity to learn what you would have us to learn in these days of small things. We want our lives to glorify you, Lord. And so you have to take us through those times of small things. So may we look upon our daily routine in a different light, Lord. Realize that you're working in our hearts and lives to bring about that good character of yourself. So be with us. Help us not to complain, but help us to learn. And for for your sake, help us not to despise the days of small things. Thank you again for loving us, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.